Welcome to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Are you looking to master the art of real estate sales? Do you want to level up your business and lifestyle? You are in the right place. Aaron and his guests share winning real estate sales strategies and techniques and show you how to win the inner game that leads to financial freedom. Get ready. Here is your host, top producing real estate agent and coach to some of the top agents in the U.S. and internationally, Aaron Novello. Welcome back to another episode of the Aaron Novello podcast. I have with me uh, a wonderful human that I've known for a while. I've had the great fortune of working with in a coaching capacity for a long time. Not only is he a client, he's become a really good friend of mine. A wonderful agent out of Richmond, Virginia, sells over 100 homes a year, Mr. Alex Glazer. Nice to see you, buddy. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure, man. Thanks for uh, taking the time. My intention is always to bring people to the platform that um, I feel like people can learn from and really get value from. And I know that the listeners will get a lot of value today. So I thought it would be cool to kind of begin our conversation uh, with your journey, right? Because I'm aware I met you at uh, kind of the beginning of that journey when you were uh, probably a year in. I've been a real estate agent for about a year, year and a half when I met you. That's so, right. And now I've been doing it over 10 years. So yes, we have known each other for a while. <laughs> for a long time, man. So, and at the beginning of that journey, kind of, you know, what were you doing at that point? Because now you're selling over hundred homes a year and uh, it's very profitable and it's a duplicatable, predictable business. But at the beginning of that journey, kind of where were you at? Like, what was your experience up until that point? You know, kind of what was your main mechanism for trying to get business? Until we met or just in, in the beginning in general? In the beginning, yeah. Um, so I started out, I was 24. Uh, it was 2009. Yep. And I got licensed in August or September, right around there. And I heard that the real estate market wasn't doing very good. But it was kind of like ignorance, like not knowing any better. I didn't know how bad it actually was in comparison to other like down markets. So I was like young and excited and I was just like doing whatever like my coach and my broker told me to do. And I didn't realize how hard it was to get a client. Like just something no one explained to me before I became a real estate agent. That's like the most important and hardest part. So like I looked really young and the market wasn't doing very good. And very frequently I'd meet with people. They'd be like, how old are you? How long have you been doing this? So just between my age and the timing and lack of experience, it was a rough start. But uh, I was fortunate enough that, you know, I'd I'd come back from college. I worked for my brother as a contractor for like a year or two. And I realized manual labor, like I didn't go to college, do manual labor the rest of my life. Moved back into my mom's house. So I had a free rent, which was extremely helpful and not like having to have anxiety over like, when's my next check coming? Sure. I was very fortunate that I had the support of my family and getting going. Because if I didn't, there's no way I, I could have done it. My first year, I lost money. Like I spent more like making business cards and getting everything set up than I actually made. And then the second year, I broke even. And then the third year, I started to see a profit, but it probably wasn't even like a normal salary. So it was probably around like four years in before I like started to like actually like see good returns from it. But um, <clears throat> essentially, like I was just doing what my trainer and a coach and broker did to get business, which was outbound cold calling. The sale by owners, expireds, staying in touch with my center of influence. I, I feel like that's just kind of like standard. I'm sure every real estate agent has been told that. 
But I would say for the first year, like either I was not good at it yet or whatever it may be. I took a couple expired listings in 2010. None of them sold. (laughs) So in 2010, my first full year, I sold 13 houses and one was a $40,000 listing that I double-ended. And I, and I looked, uh, my second house I ever sold was 19,000. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I pretty much was like, I will go anywhere and do anything for experience. I was probably in parts of town. I shouldn't have been just like, I wanted experience and I didn't care how I get it. I remember taking a listing that was like almost an hour away just cause it wasn't expired and I didn't care. It didn't yeah. sell either. But I, I had experience that. of meeting with people and talking to them about real estate. And that's all I cared about at the beginning. Yeah. So like super hungry. And I wrote a few things down. Like the first one is, is that, um, you know, you started in the game very young, right? I'm similar around 26 when I got started. So, you know, some people might look at you now and say like, wow, you know, Alex, he's selling all these homes and everything. At the same time, how are you so successful? (laughs) Yeah. At the same time, I mean, that's uh, because you've spent 10 years of time, energy, effort, resources uh, to learn right? How to do that. The other thing I wrote down, which I think is very interesting as well, is just um, this idea of patience. You know, you mentioned that your first year didn't make any money. Second year kind of broke even. Third year made a little bit. It wasn't until like maybe four years before it started to become like a a profitable venture. And I'm aware that a lot of, um, you know, agents, particularly ones that are newer, they kind of imagine that like, okay, right out of the gate, you know, this is going to be something that's like smashingly successful. And that was not your experience, was it? No. And if I had to guess, it's probably similar to most real estate agents experiences. Yeah. I'm sure there's some out there that maybe had like a large network because they were like had another job and they knew a lot of people in town. I was young. I only knew other 24 year olds. Like, so I didn't really have that resource. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it took you consistently and intentionally and purposefully uh, staying in the game with some help. I, I wrote down support as well. You had some key people supporting you and helping with expenses and things of that nature. But then you also made a dedication to the craft, right? Of actually learning how to sell. And that's actually how we connected with one another, isn't it? I remember like how I found out about you. Um, someone told me that, yeah, this guy, Aaron Novello, he's very successful. He sells over hundred houses a year and he role plays two times a day. And my mind was like, I only thought you could do it once. And I'm like, he's young, he's successful. I want to get in his role play schedule. And I called you. And that's how, like, well, you said, I'm, it's full, call me in six months. Called you six months later. And you're like, all right, uh, Tuesdays at 7 a.m. And then again, I was like, I role played at 7.30. That's seven's too early. Like, I was like scared. And like, I remember the first time I called you for my first role play, I was terrified because <laughs> I didn't really know you yet. And like, you were super successful. And when I talk on the phone, you're like quick and efficient. And it was a little intimidating to like a young, like unsuccessful realtor at that point. Yeah. But I was extremely thankful that you gave me the opportunity. And like, not only you, but like the majority of what I learned and how to do what I do came from other realtors like you that spent the time just talking on the phone, role playing you know, Hey, I have this problem. What would you do in this circumstance? Like more experienced agents giving back to me. And now that I'm fortunate enough to be in this position that I'm like, anytime anyone calls me for any reason, I'm happy to talk to them for whatever, if they're a realtor and they're looking for advice. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very beautiful and kind of uh, this very symbiotic relationship because I'm aware that, um, you know, 
perhaps you know I provided you with that opportunity. And then you did something very kind for me, which is that uh, you recorded one of those role plays, <laughs> and then uh, it it like went like wildfire, right, throughout uh, kind so of the real estate community. I recorded it so I could go back and transcribe it because like you use the scripts, but you made them your own, yeah. and I liked them better. I couldn't explain why. And at that point, I thought like if you use, say a certain combination of words in a certain order, you get a specific result. Yeah. I was just kind of imagining that. And I'm like, he's successful and I like the way he does it. So I did it purely out of transcription. And then I was talking about you to one of my role play partners and he's like, hey, can I listen? Didn't think anything of it. I was like, sure. And I passed it to like one or two people. And then I guess they passed it. And all of a sudden, like, Everyone knew who you were. Yeah, which was very helpful. So again, it's like the symbiotic, very uh, cool thing where like, you know, perhaps when you uh, help somebody else out, they help you out in return. So I appreciate that. Thank you kindly. I wasn't even like at first when you like asked me about it, I was like, uh-oh, am I in trouble? Yeah. Like, I shouldn't have done that or? No, but it worked out beautifully well. So it, so it took about four years to get to a place where it was kind of profitable for you, right? Like um, actually kind of making sense from a financial perspective. And then what I'm aware of is over time, you kind of utilized initially, you know, that kind of hardcore beat the bushes, expired for sale by owners. And then as time progressed and you kind of built up that database, we began to, in our work together in a coaching capacity, shift, right, from that activity to really centering on this idea of two different worlds, like the physical world, and then the digital world, because I know 50% of your business comes from past client centers of influence and the other 50 from people finding you online now. So I guess walk me through that transition. Walk me through like how that happened for you, right? It happened because I, as much as I did like cold calling, and I pretty much ended up niching with expireds. Yeah. I did have a few for sale owners here and there, but like I got good at expireds and there was enough of them that I pretty much just concentrated all my efforts on that. Um, but I never enjoyed it. Like I kind of like dreaded it. Like, ah, uh, it's like this thing I just have to do and I'll do it. And like, it worked. Like I even counted one day when I was like getting tired of doing it. I looked back and it was like 50 to 60 closed transactions over a couple of years just from expireds. And I looked how much money that was. And I did that from the purpose to try and inspire me to like keep doing it. But like deep down in my like core, I didn't really like it still. So I think once I got to a point where my business was kind of, I didn't need to call cold call expires to survive anymore, just because I had enough of a sphere that I was getting referrals. Um, back when like Zillow started doing reviews, I remember like a light bulb went off and I was like, I buy everything on Amazon based on the reviews. I just knew like this isn't a be important. So I went back at all, everyone I ever worked with to leave me a review. And I got like this huge jump start and having reviews on Zillow before anyone else knew it had reviews. And I think that was a huge, like that was just a little bit of luck, a little bit of uh, timing. Yeah. And I got a ton of business from people saying they found me online for my reviews. So eventually, you know, I've been doing it long enough that enough business started to come to me without me really even like doing much different. And I was just slowly, like naturally stopped calling expireds as much to the, yeah. and then I just didn't call them at all. Yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> I really like, you need to call them. And I'm like, okay. And then next week we talk, like, how many did you call? And I'll be like, none. none. Sorry. Like, I just didn't. Well, and it was very cool because again, in a very symbiotic way, like it forced me as well to be, to get creative, right? 
because uh, we would, I we just came to this recognition. It's like, look, like, you know, for Alex, this isn't something that perhaps like, uh, you know, he enjoys, yet we still need the prospect, right? Because a day not spent prospecting is a day not spent in business. So how can we begin to get creative and find out other ways of prospecting that Alex really feels comfortable with? And that's precisely what we've done over time. So, you know, um, we went from, I guess, you know, we're expireds, we're this primary source. Again, that's awesome business, like 60 deals over a course of time. It's like probably 10 or 15 a year. We're coming from that source. And then we began to have this conversation about like the, the physical world and the digital world, because they're two worlds that we live in now. So perhaps if you could, like for those listening or, or watching, describe to them those two worlds and then describe to them some of the things that we've done intentionally very purposefully to position yourself strongly in those two worlds so they become a stream of leads for you so i guess starting with the digital world like i'm just kind of like a computer nerd like gadget geek at heart and the fact that i had like a really good online presence to start i had all the reviews like I, I guess instead of prospecting, calling expireds, I spent my time as a very analytical researching what can I do to make my online presence better. And that's even before we had this conversation uh, and where we transitioned to like what I'm doing now. I kind of was already doing it, but you just made me aware of the two worlds so we could do it more purposefully. Yes. So like there's there'd be a whole another podcast series for me to go in depth on all like the techie digital internet stuff I've done um, but when it comes to like back down I guess to like the the real world I guess I, I got comfortable in the digital world and you wanted to make sure I was in both by you know being in front of people and I don't know how it exactly like kind of all came to be but we were talking about uh, you would recommend it for me to go and like interview a local business owner and video it and i was like heck yeah like i i love doing that i love video let's go do it and i didn't realize you were tricking me into prospecting by doing that <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so i guess it was probably about a year ago it really got started <clears throat> we were trying to figure out a name of it and we're like we're bouncing names back and forth and i was like a little like ah there's no good name let's just worry about it later and then like five minutes into the call, I was just like, I really just want to share with everyone why Richmond is awesome. And you're like, that's it. That's the name of the video series. So a lot of it kind of happened just from us bouncing ideas back and forth, a little bit organic, a lot of bit of like pur purposeful planning. But um, now in, in addition to like the reviews and the, and the website and the SEO, um, I'm doing a video series where I am interviewing local businesses, whether it be restaurants or things to do doing it at a very high production level. Um, I don't know. I guess you probably, I would say, are a reason I'm doing a lot of what I'm doing. I have a full-time videographer on staff now. We're making so many videos. And a lot of stuff, even though I liked it, like I still had resistance because I'm like, no, I like making the videos. I don't want to hire someone. I want to do it. And you're like, no, like <laughs> it's too time consuming. So yeah, definitely took a, a little bit of guidance from you for me to do it efficiently. And I still get to participate. I'm like the director producer. I don't have to like yeah. sit there and edit everything for hours. Yeah, which is I think a perfect role for you, right? Um, to to be in that position, and and making that intentional shift, right, to recognizing that more and more people 
our consumers are making decisions about who they're going to hire either for a service or what product they're going to purchase by consulting the internet first. And that's a trend that, you know, we have agreed that we don't see that slowing down anytime soon. If anything, it's going to speed up. So then it makes logical kind of sense to intentionally and purposely position myself in such a way that I make it easy for people to find me, right? And I think one of the beautiful kind of um, byproducts of that is that we stumbled upon, like when you're going into these businesses, not only is it wonderful because you're meeting the owner who has their whole uh, kind of uh, own sphere of influence, but you're also giving them free advertising. And then this kind of brand kind of equity, I think you like to call it, where they can uh, begin to post what you're doing for them and then blast it out to all their people you but the other yummy delicious byproduct that has happened is that people are starting to ask you like hey those videos are really cool like can you do one for me and when when you said that to me like we were just on a call and you were like hey like an owner said like hey can we do this for you and i was like you were like yeah sure just give me like some brisket for free and i was like i was like alex i love your heart bro but like we just created a new business we just created another stream (laughs) A business for you where you go in you offer the free thing you 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 get all the benefits of that and then out of that comes an opportunity where now we just created like a uh, production company and kind of like stepping back for a second going about the digital world and the physical world it, it's kind of doing both at the same time like i'm going to the physical world meeting these business owners all the staff are like curious like what's going on talking with the staff handing out you know cards and swag to them and then it becomes something that goes on the digital world. So I'm doing both at the same time uh, doing this. Just yeah, cool. which is wonderful. And it's a beautiful um, kind of mixture of both because like we've described before on our calls and we talk about, I think, you know, what's very interesting is what we're seeing. We're seeing that being highlighted at the moment because as we're shooting this, you know, we're kind of in the middle of, uh, you know, this kind of virus situation. And we talked about that, you know, the companies that are doing, that are really having a hard time are based primarily in the physical world. And the the companies that are doing well or continuing to generate revenue uh, are companies that either are in the physical world and the digital world, or they're just primarily in the digital world, right? So, you know, how this situation just kind of highlights that shift that was already in process, already happening. So... For agents, you know, having those digital assets, whether it be like, you know, for you, it's a podcast or managing, you know, your Google My Business profile with a ton of reviews or other platforms that have reviews or using reputation management software to help you with that. And things like videos that people can see online and, you know, PDF pre-listing packages and things of that nature, that it's critically important kind of moving forward that we have those digital assets because it makes it not only easier for consumers to find us, but it also um, creates a situation where we're reverse engineering, right? We're kind of giving people what they need to get to know Alex before they even see you, right? They get to see you on your videos. They get to see you interviewing other people. They get a feel for you and who you are. Then they go and they check out reviews and they check out all this other stuff. And in that, like 80 to 90% of the decision of whether or not they want to do business with you is already made. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awful. And then the other thing that we've done, which I think is very great that people can get value from is this idea of stacking value. You know, we've talked about that before where, 
you know, as our industry is changing, it's undergoing a rapid change. Even prior to this current situation, we find ourselves in with the virus. Um, with regards to these online competitors that are very, you know, kind of sharp elbow into our space, stacking value becomes very uh, important, not only to kind of um, preserve professional fees or commissions, but also to give people a compelling reason to work with you versus somebody else. So talk to me about the physical world, some of the things that we've kind of created to stack value. So I, uh, I would say probably 90 to 95% of everything I do is because I noticed another real estate agent doing it, whether it be locally, but mostly just through the training and the programs we've both been in. You meet a lot of realtors, very successful realtors doing a lot of different things. And essentially I'm like, oh, I like that. So I'll take little bits and pieces of each one, kind of make like what I like is the, you know, Alex, the realtor. Um, and one of them I noticed was it was called a fan club or raving fans where they would lend out like power washers and ladders and different stuff like that. I'm like, I already have all this stuff. So like I made a flyer and I had it, but like not that many people were using it, but I think I, I remember specifically one person hired me because they said they thought it was cool that I did that. Yeah. They personally never borrowed anything, but it's available. Um, and then I forget exactly at what point, but I was just like, I really, I saw another real estate agent had a free moving truck. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And so I bought one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, me and my wife would work together. It's her, you know, faces up on the side. Um, so that's another physical world thing that's driving around. And then um, I don't know if you encouraged me to do this or not, but we got a cargo van yep. for, cause like we do everything in house. So like our videographer is our runner and sign installer, lockbox guy. He drives around in like a little miniature version of the moving truck with me and Lauren's face on the side. So there's two of these things going around town pretty frequently. Um, but going back to stacking value now, anytime a client moves locally, they have a free moving truck. And then I got the idea. I'm like, well, let's give them free moving boxes. Like just, I know it may not seem like a big thing, but people are extremely grateful. Like when you're moving, you're a little stressed out. You got a lot going on. If your real estate agent or their employee will drop off a giant stack of moving boxes at your house, that's one less thing for you to worry about. Um, so I went on Craigslist and set up a reminder, or like notify me for anyone that's given away free moving boxes. And we would just go around and collect all the ones from people that were moved and give them away. And now we give them to clients. And then when they're done, we get them back and give them to other clients. So we just have like a small storage unit and, you know, my employee does that for us. Um, so it's just trying to think of different ways to make the process easier or more convenient for people correct, um, without charging them more. So that's, that's right. how we're creating value. That's right. We're stacking value. And, and in doing so, we're preserving kind of uh, professional fees, right? Where, you know, there's other companies in the space, whether it's Redfin or, you know, uh, discount brokers or something of that nature by, by stacking value and adding products and services that uh, are just kind of come with it we preserve that and we preserve, you know, kind of profit margins, so to speak. The other thing that pops into my head is the two other things that we've kind of done. And really you did one of them, you know, we didn't even talk about it. You just kind of did it. And I was like, I love that idea. The second one was kind of intentional based on conversation was you got a corporate membership with top golf. Yeah. Where, uh, it's just cause I wanted to go as much as I wanted. <laughs> I know it's like you, when you told me on the call, you were just like, I just basically wanted to do it myself. <laughs> But I was like, this is a great idea because now any of your clients, if they want to go, they just like text you or email you and they can go for free, correct? 
Yeah. So the way the corporate membership works, at least someone on our team has to be there. So like my buyer's agents all have a membership and they can bring up to like six to seven people each time. And so it's like another reason my buyer's agent can call their clients like, Hey, how you been? What's going on? How's the house? Want to go to Top Golf for free? Like just, so that was almost, and I would say it even kind of like tying back to like, we have a bunch of swag. I don't know if a lot of other realtors do swag, but I kind of selfishly did it because I wanted it. So between like t-shirts and hats and Frisbees and pop sockets with our logo on it, because I wanted it. And I'm like, well, it's cheaper if you buy it in bulk. So we buy it in bulk and you know, give it away at client parties and stuff like that. That's awesome, man. Another physical world thing. Um, it's not that expensive. Oh, sunglasses. That was where we started. Yep. Like $2, but people love them. Like they'll tag us on uh, online, like Facebook and Instagram, like wearing the glasses. Hey, hey, my wife Carla still wears them. They're the best free sunglasses I've ever. <laughs> had. We're down here in South Florida. She's wearing glazer boot glasses, bro. So, <laughs> um, and then the other thing that we did is we started to like once we started to put some of those kind of uh, value ads in, we then kind of just keep brainstorming. We're like, okay, how can we add more value? More value? More value? And then we talked about getting your wife certified to um, do staging, right? And then it's like some interior point, design, yeah, class. And then at some point, what we'll do is we'll make an investment, you know, with furniture and stuff. And then that'll be an additional value add. So it's like, look, if you, you know, work with us, you get to use the moving truck for free, you get boxes for free, you go to, get to go to top uh, shelf golf. And uh, you also get to, uh, you know, yeah. eventually, eventually. Soon. Which again, it becomes very, very difficult to compete with that value problem, right? Um, so um, I, mean, I think it's, I think it's awesome, and I think that yeah, we also yeah. give away uh, free tickets to the local baseball team. They're not professional, so the tickets are like seven bucks. So it's not expensive, and it's a fun thing. Another reason to call your clients, stay in front of them, like, hey, it's you know baseball season. You want some free tickets, and they're good seats. Um, and then the client parties. Um, you know, over the years, you've had me do more and more. It started with one a year, two yep. a year. Now we're up to three big ones a year. And <laughs> at the beginning of this year, we started doing micro parties. Yes. Where um, this is something Lauren's been like managing and doing where there's a certain part of town, you know, people with kids will all go to CC's. It was the cheapest client party I've ever had. <laughs> and tons of people came, you got, you know, food, soda, video games, and they got to meet each other. You know, other people, they have something in common. I'm the realtor. Then they have kids, so they could like hang out after the part. Like, it's just, I don't know. It made sense, so we did it. <laughs> well, I think it's great. Um, like, I, I think it's brilliant. Not, not just, and what, the reason why I chuckled when you said how we've been increasing, I remember being on a call with you. I'm like, yeah, Alex, we're going to do four a year. And you were like, four a year, man? Are you crazy? You think that's too many? But uh, we've ramped it up to three really big ones. I know for your Halloween party, you had like almost 100 people come. To your personal residence and then now what you're doing is is you're zooming in to like your uh, database and let's say you have you know a handful of people who are really into craft beer which i know you're into so you're like okay cool we're gonna do one just for those people yeah we have a i don't know how famous it is in other states but a brewery called hardywood and when they came out with the gingerbread stout it was like it got a hundred on some scoring system and everyone wanted it in like the whole country. Yeah. Um, and now over the years, they made all these different uh, variations. And then this past like Christmas time, they did a 
you could go and buy a box of like every type they've ever made, even some they've never sold publicly before. And then we had everyone who loves stouts in to our office. We have like a little like open area and did a tasting. Um, it was a lot of fun. It's awesome. And it's fun. And it's a way to also create uh, super fans, right? Which I think you've, again, very intentionally and purposefully, and we talk about a lot, how you really don't need a lot of super fans uh, to do uh, a lot of deals, right? Because if you have 50 super fans that really love you and like, you know, refer you and drag people to you and each one of those people bring two people to you a year, that's a hundred deals, right? So we've done an awesome job on that and uh, kudos for kind of, you know, implementing all of that. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about that I think people can get a lot of value from, because that's in my mind, the way I think about that, that's like offense. And offense is about, you know, the production of revenue, right? So, you know, we're very uh, kind of intentional and purposeful with regards to creating uh, revenue and putting systems in place and strategies and processes to make that happen in the digital world, and the physical world. About a, I think it was a couple of years ago, uh, we had a conversation with regards to the kind of money side of things, which I would propose is a little bit defense, right? And uh, you were kind enough, like, I mean, I'd known you for a long time, man, at that point, like eight years. And you're like, hey, man, do you think we could like have a conversation, me and Lauren, about our finances? Because like, I'm making a lot of money, but it doesn't seem like there's enough left over as much as should be here, right? So if you'd be open to it, like just kind of share what your experience was prior to, and then that journey that we took together as a team, because I shared with you, yes, Alex, I'll do that with you, but your wife has to be on the call with us. And uh, there was there some interesting conversations and there was some pushback and like whatever, but we ended up with a pretty fantastic result that, uh, you know, in retrospect, particularly with what's going on now and some of the changes that we're seeing in the marketplace was, was really, uh, you know, critical, right? So talk to us a little bit about that. So I don't remember the exact conversation me and Lauren had where we were like, we need help. <laughs> and I think I brought it up. Like I bet Aaron could help us. And I know she had a little reservation because like she knows you more as a friend. Like I know you as a friend and, but starting with like a real estate agent coach, she's only really known you as a friend. Cause when we'd visit my grandma, which is where you live, we would like hang out and go to dinner. Yeah. Um, so she had some reservations, but, we couldn't really think of anyone else better to do it. So she's like, all right, let's just do it. We said, I send you all my financials, business and personal, like whenever everything that we spend every dollar on. And um, you started to give us a plan of like what to do and what to change. And the biggest one, like that's made 99, 90% of the difference was switching brokerages. Yes. Um, I started off at one brokerage as a, a new young agent. And become like not only just friends, like family with everyone there, not only the agents, but like the the broker and the admin were his daughters. And like the thought of leaving them was very difficult. I know that was like the biggest shift we made. Like I've never been so nervous to like break up with someone before. I was like physically sick. Like it was terrible. And it it did once I did it. It was like a huge, well, first, just like the breakup part, huge weight lifted off my shoulders. And then I was like, did I make the right decision? I don't know. One year, maybe like 12, 15 months at the new brokerage, I was making, like keeping 
like a hundred to two hundred thousand more for doing the same amount of volume same thing. Yeah, I remember. So I paid off both my cars and my house in like a year and a half, and I'm like, holy cow, this is, was worth it. Yeah. Like, looking back, I'm like, I should have done it earlier. You even told me to do it earlier, but it was tough because I I cared about them. Yeah, and I never really compared like splits. So you know me, Mister Super Analytical. When I was doing it, I I talked to every brokerage in town, put it all in a spreadsheet. What was the best deal? And I negotiated the best deal I could have uh, at that time. And I'm reaping the benefits now, where you know paid off the house, paid off the cars, had a nest egg that I'm extremely thankful for. Because now that I have all these employees that are on salary, I have to pay them no matter how many houses we sell. Yep. And I'm already starting to notice clients of mine, here we are like mid-April 2020, waiting to list because they're uncertain what's going on with the whole corona thing. So if I didn't do that two years ago, I would be very screwed. I'd probably be you know done already <laughs> a month yeah. into this. That's so interesting, right? Because uh, you know leaders anticipate and everybody else reacts. And um, with this idea that I, I remember that conversation distinctly. And I remember, you know, because we have a very good working relationship and I've known you since you're a kid, basically, uh, <laughs> we've been working together in that capacity. I know how to kind of, you know, work with you. And initially when I shared with you, I saw the numbers. I was like, oh my God, you're spending how much on that? And you were like, yeah. And I'm like, well, does he provide any value for you? And you're like, eh, you know, he lets me bring my dog to work. And I'm like, all right, man, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta do something about this. The new brokerage lets me bring my dog to work too. So exactly. And you just make more money. And then I remember we we came up with a very systematic plan, uh, just to just kind of shine a spotlight of awareness, right, on it. And I remember initially uh, with you and Lauren on that call, you know, you were like, ah, I just don't know how this is going to work. Like, it's going to work. I'm like, trust me, dude, it'll work. Just I, like, play out. A little of mind couldn't comprehend how it was all going to work out. So I eventually just kind of like gave up and I was like, I trust you and Lauren knows what's up. Let's just do it. Yeah. So essentially Lauren, she runs our QuickBooks. I don't even look at our banking stuff anymore. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, but it makes it easy that I just don't have to worry about it. She's putting 20% away of every check we get into savings for either, you know, uh, investing or like we have a pool fund because she really wants a pool at some point. So that's like our fun thing we're saving for on top of retirement. Um, but the, the, I would say the most resistance both me and Lauren had is like, you need to spend, I forget, it was it ended up being a lot of money, like $250 a week on food. And we're like, yeah. that's impossible. I know. No way we can do that. And you're like, I love you. I spend less yeah. than that for a family of four. And there's only two of you, Alex. I'm like, all right, we'll try it. And it became like a game yeah. where we'd be like keeping a spreadsheet and we're like saving up for the end of the week. Oh, we have like $70. Let's go out to eat. Like, I don't know. We just kind of turn it into a, a, a game and like paying off my car was super exciting paying off the house was extremely exciting. Like it was such a fun thing to like get the piece of paper in the mail. Like I'm free and clear. Like, I don't know. I'm 34 and I don't have any debt. Like that's kind of insane, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and, but what's amazing to me was how with just, cause we really spent about maybe six months. That's it really it. Right. It took like, it takes like maybe three months uh, to get kind of the philosophy and to get both parties on the same page, because you mentioned Lauren, and that's critical that you guys were kind of working together as a team. And then when we got Gazelle Intense, and you guys kind of figured it out, okay, like, here's how the system works, then, you know, after that, it's just kind of like maintenance and checkup. And if you have a question, you let me know. 
And very quickly, we went from essentially kind of like breaking even, you know, for the most part, didn't really have like six months of expenses liquid at all times. Then with not only the changing of the brokerages, but also some other changes that we made, we were able to find a lot of extra money. And within six months, I remember you had six months of expenses. We had already paid one of the cars off, if not another one. And within a year, you were completely debt free and now keeping a substantially more amount of money, which puts you in a much better financial situation. Now, what's very interesting to me is despite being very successful, I mean, prior to that phone call, you guys were awesome. I mean, you were probably making a half a million bucks a year at the time and um, doing a lot of deals. And if people look from the outside, they'd be like, oh, like, yeah, this is great. Uh, that really, we had, out, from a yeah. business perspective, there wasn't a lot left over, right? It's in car payments and mortgage payments and going out to eat a lot because we like to do it. Um, we would you know, pretty much max out the SEP IRA. And then that was it. Like I didn't have any other savings. Like I was putting what I could away into retirement and that was it, which right. wasn't a ton. It was like 20 something thousand dollars a year. Or... Yeah. <laughs> right. And now we're just in a completely different space. So now as, and then, and then what happened was, right, is, is not only did we kind of shore that up and make it to be much more efficient, but then systematically we continue to play offense. And we continue to blow up income. So now there's just like even extra, even more. So now we're in the, we built like this kind of financial fortress where, um, you know, we were having a conversation on our last coaching call. It's like, look, man, even if like this, you know, transpired and it took, you know, four or five months to get back to normal, like you'd be fine. Right. Like I remember just the, the pro, like the whole experience. First off, I can't thank you enough. Like you've changed my life. Like I, and even like you, you're giving me like relationship advice before I proposed to Lauren, <laughs> maybe not even giving me advice. You were helping me shine a spotlight on what I already knew, but I was like too scared to like admit. Yeah. But I still give you credit. Um, but yeah, along the way, like even like when I didn't have a buyer's agent, it was like just me and Lauren and you're trying to get me to get showing time. And for some reason I didn't want to do it. I don't know why, but if I didn't do it, once I got real busy, like, I'd have 15 listings and in a spring market, they'd get like between all of them, like upwards of like 80 to hundred showings in like a week, How like managing that that's insane. So like, but for some reason I like was like overanalytical or scared or resisted everything you told me. Yeah, I know. So it took like months and months and months to convince me to do showing time. And then like a year or two to get a buyer's agent. That yeah. was the biggest scary thing to let that go. Yep. But once I did it, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like I actually have a social life now because I'm not working 24 seven. Yeah. And then like now, like you tell me to do something and I do it relatively quickly compared to what I did. So there's been a lot of growth and development personally as a super analytical to just, just do it. Like I'm almost tired of thinking of stuff. I'm like, yeah. All right, fine, let's just do it. Just do it. That's awesome. And that comes from like an extended period of time and lots of work and trust and stuff. And sometimes I still gently remind you, I say, you know, Alex, uh, is there anything I've suggested to you that has not been in your best interest? And you're like, no, I'm like, okay, so let's, no, never. let's just do it. But it, it's just like irrational fears of like not knowing how it's going to work out. And I guess like whether it be real estate or anything in life, something's new and different, you know, it could be a combination of excitement or fear. And you just got to do it. Like you can think about it and speculate what's going to happen forever. And um, I don't know how you would phrase it, but it's like, what's the worst case scenario? You get a buyer's agent, it doesn't work out. And then you just start working with buyers again. Like, it's not like you have to like continue to have like, like you just revert back. And I'm like, Oh, 
oh yeah, I guess so. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome, man. And, you know, I want to say thank you to you, man, because like uh, you have, you know, I've shared with you multiple times that without you, there's no place for me. Right. So it's a very kind of symbiotic uh, relationship and it's a privilege and a pleasure to uh, be a part, you know, of that journey. Right. So I guess I'm wondering, like, from your perspective, if you were going to talk to an agent out there right now and kind of give them some guidance, like, you know, you've uh, been on this journey for a little bit, you've experienced some things, like, what would you suggest would be, I don't know, number one or number two things for them to be focused on? Because I'm aware that they have so much to focus on, like so many people trying to tell them what to do and how to do it and like this and that. Um, What would you suggest are kind of principles that they should be paying attention to? Um, I would say the biggest thing, if they don't already have someone in their life like you, like I very much consider you my mentor. I don't know if you see it that way or not, but we've been on this long journey for a long time. And I, you know, finding someone who's doing what you're already doing that you connect with, like, it makes sense. It's like, I like a hundred percent of everything you do and say, not like, I'm not taking bits and pieces like from other coaches or trainers or programs. Um, so having some guidance from someone who knows what they're talking about, who has that experience like you, um, whether it's you or someone else, but like, I would say it's probably more important that you resonate with it deeply. So you'll actually will do it. Um, that's probably a big thing. And then, as you said earlier, patience, um, you know, another person I've been real into recently is Gary Vanderchuk. He preaches patience constantly. Is like people will call or ask him like, Hey, I've been doing this social media thing for like six months and it's not working. So I quit. And he's like six months, like call me in six years and tell me it didn't work. So I think we're just in a a world and a society that everyone expects everything like instantly and quickly and easily. Um, Probably one of the things like I was thinking about, what should I say on the podcast today with Aaron? One of the things that stands out like is a very vivid memory is I was doing this workout program and it was so hard. It was miserable. And I was on the phone with you and I was like, I just can't wait for one day for it to be easy. Like I'm going to get so fit. It's not going to be hard. And you're like, Alex, if it gets easy, then you're not benefiting from it anymore because you're not working out hard enough for it to be a benefit. And I was just like, (laughs) like anything in life. If it's not hard, there's probably you're probably not getting a ton of benefit from it. Like if everything was easy and simple, everyone would be rich and famous. Like it's hard for a reason. So um, I guess having that mindset, like the next day when I was working out, I was like doing sit-ups in the dirt, and I'm like, yeah, it's hard. Like I'm benefiting. So just like small mindset shifts like that made an insane difference uh, just in how I operated from that point moving forward like a couple of years ago. Yeah. I think that's awesome guidance. I wrote down those three things like one, find the right messenger, right? Somebody you connect with because we talked about this multiple times, like what you get, right? Either material possessions or awards or accolades, like it'll never really make you happy like forever, right? Uh, it, it'll make you happy temporarily, but not you know, kind of sustain it, sustained over an extended period of time, but who you become will either make you very happy or very sad. So being very kind of intentional about who am I giving access to my thinking? What do they have me saying and doing? And is that okay? Is that in alignment with the person that I want to become? Right. And then the other thing I wrote down is patience. I mean, like you shared, 
man, you, you didn't make any, you lost money the first year, you broke even the second year, right? Like you had the patience, you know, it reminds me of a saying, uh, I think it was Zig Ziglar that said it, like anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly before you learn how to do it, <laughs> right? One of the, a quick note on the patience part, like another thing that I very vividly remember the first, at least probably two years, I would like be super frustrated, like working my butt off, not seeing any results. And I'd be like, at the end of the day, just like, what else can I do? Like, this sucks. Like, I'm working so hard and getting no results. Like, what other career can I shift to? Yeah. I'd think about it. And then I'm like, I can't think of anything else I really would want to do. So I would just go to sleep, wake up the next day and keep doing it. And eventually that like little mental breakdown, not a breakdown, but like thought like it would happen like once a month and then it started happening like every other month and then once every six months and then it just went away. Yeah. I started to see the results, but like part of the reason I'm probably kept being a real estate agent is because I just couldn't think of anything else I wanted to do. I wasn't like super in love with it because it was a lot of hard work and I wasn't seeing results yet. So I guess I'm a little bit lucky. I didn't like jump into like fixing computers or something else that wouldn't have been as profitable. It would not have been as profitable. That's for sure. So, and I, I really appreciate your authenticity because I'm aware that even for me, uh, for the first probably five years, because it took me five years to get up to 100 transactions, but all the way up to then, even despite getting external results, probably at least four times a year, I look at my wife, Carla, and be like, I could be doing something else in my time. Like, what? Like, you know, maybe I become a professor or maybe I do this, right? So I think it's perfectly normal. I think people imagine for some reason that there won't be any doubt, that there won't be any fear, that there won't, but that's, I feel like that's part of the journey, right? And as you mentioned over time, it took a while. I mean, it took five years for me for that to kind of go away where I don't really have that thought anymore. And that sounds like it's very similar to what you're describing. And something else just of note is like, when you're new agents, you have uh, different problems or different things to stress out about. But as you become successful, it's not like problems or stress goes away, it just changes. So now like we have four full-time employees, multiple buyers agents, like just there's so much more to do and manage. And like, I never thought about how hard it would be to fire somebody. Like that's not a thought I ever had when I was a new agent, like learning to manage people and having to fire people if they're not doing what you need them to do. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a journey of like, you're just learning different things along the way. Like it never is just like, you got to figure it out. Like it just... You got other stuff to learn the whole time. Yeah, that's the fun part is that it's an evolution, right? And, um, you know, I really think that business is a spiritual journey, not like a material experience. And it's about you evolving as a human and becoming more valuable to others because as you grow more, you can give more, right? So your capacity changes. So what used to be a big problem is like not a big problem because your capacity uh, has changed. And then the last thing I, I wrote down was... Um, you know, that this idea, like how a lot of people spend their time trying to create an environment in which there's no discomfort or that uh, the whole purpose and intention is to rest. It's like, no, 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 make rest the kind of necessity, not the objective. I rest because I'm tired, right? And this idea like, no, like I don't want it to get to a point where it's super easy because if it's super easy, then I stop growing, right? Or you get bored or, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. The, uh, but yeah, those workouts, they kicked my butt so hard. I never got better sleep when I was doing those workouts. 
I remember. Yeah. I was exhausted in the first month of doing them. Like it would hit me in the afternoon at like two or three where like I could barely stay awake because like it zapped all my energy because I worked out harder than I ever had for an hour straight that morning. Yeah. And, and I was aware too that it was used to it. And I don't want to say it gets easier, but like, I guess human bodies are incredible machines or organisms where they adapt quicker than you think. So it may suck right now, but in a month it's going to suck differently, but uh, just just keep doing it. Keep going. Keep trying. Keep growing. Um, if you're having a, a down day, talk to someone like Aaron or your friend. Like I don't know. You just gotta you just gotta keep going. That is a wonderful message. Just keep going. <laughs> so I appreciate you, brother man, so much. I appreciate you taking the time. I know your time is very very valuable. Thank you for taking the time. I know people are gonna get a lot of value from this. And uh, people, if you have referrals, if you you know want to connect with Alex, tell them where where they can find you. So I'm located in Richmond, Virginia. It's central Virginia, about two hours south of D.C., if you don't know Virginia uh, geography very well. Um, online, it's alexsellsrichmond.com. On Instagram, it's why Richmond is awesome. And uh, I do plan one day to come out with some tips and things more on the digital aspect in terms of what I'm doing I started the Instagram. I just haven't added much to it. It's Alex, the digital realtor. So if you're curious, follow it. I'll eventually be adding content. I bought the URL, alexadigitalrealtor.com. So eventually there'll be some resources there. When it's up and running, I'll let you know and you can tell other people if they want to check it out then. Awesome, man. Well, perfect. Again, uh, I appreciate you, brother. I look forward to talking to you on our next call, man. Thank you. Cool. Have a great day. See you later, man. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron Novello podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow Aaron on Instagram at Aaron Novello. Happy hunting.